Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode on the Ready Set Mind podcast with me, Kieran Farkas. For today's episode, I invite on former Premier League footballer and friend of mine, Thomas Butler, to the podcast and Thomas goes into detail about how he used a strong mindset over the course of his footballing career and how he used it to help him in his day-to-day life as a professional footballer at Swansea City and Sunderland as well. So yeah, he goes into great detail about this and about the importance of getting the brilliant basics right on a daily basis and he provides a lot of value as well and a lot of this can be related to life experience as well so it's not all just about football, Um, it's about daily life as well and how you go about that and how it might look compared to a professional footballer's life as well so and what you can do to develop your mindset on a daily basis so it's a really good episode I took a lot of notes from it and uh, found it very interesting as I'm involved in football myself so yeah get your pen and paper ready and we hope you enjoy another episode on the Ready Set Mind podcast. Hi Tom, you okay mate? Here on, how's it going? You alright? Yeah, very good mate, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Chilling, chilling on a Sunday, take a nice and easy, oh, as you should be. I don't blame you mate, I don't blame you. It's, uh, it's definitely the way I'd, I did that this morning, um, 100% it was, it was bang on, bang on. you got to on a Sunday, if you can't on a Sunday, when can you eh? Yeah, look, it's the way forward isn't it? You work hard all week, don't you? So you need your, little, you need your Sunday just to chill and relax, don't you? Get ready for tomorrow. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, um, yeah, thanks so much for coming on, mate, uh, because I know you, you, you have loads on um, in your job and everything else that's going on in your life, mate. So um, appreciate you giving up the time to come on to the podcast. So nah, No problem. No problem at all. Um, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, if you could just start with just an introduction about who you are and um, what, you, what you do, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, my name is Thomas Butler. Uh, some, some people call me Tommy Butler sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the football context that would be. Um, ex-player, retired uh, professional footballer. So I retired uh, twenty. I think it was twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. Um, I had a hip flexor rupture, and I kept me probably out of game for about. I think it was about. I think two years trying to get back from it, and then um, I just had to call time on that. Um, and then since then, I probably went into all the different kind of. I'd say different roles. I'd probably. I've worked in um, sports management, uh, representing players for uh, uh, agencies. Um, I used to do um, player recruitment uh, for, the, for the, uh, those companies and uh, the data analysis and stuff like that for um, you know player comparisons and stuff like that um, for those companies. Yeah, which I enjoyed. I think that was probably one good part of it. Um, and then I actually left. I come out of that, uh, finished. I come out of that for a while, um, and then I've went into. I actually done some coaching. Um, had various spells. I had um, a managing Newcastle ladies team for a spell for a season. Um, kept them in the league, which was the, the target at the time. So, as far as I was concerned, did well there. Yeah, um, and then after that, then I had um, a few coaching roles. Uh, one in Sunderland with a. 
uh, one of the local teams, done an RCA, um, done some coaching for a bit. Um, and probably I'll say now would be get a full-time role in, in a kind of scouting environment at a club at the minute. Uh, so I do some freelance scouting at the minute for uh, for various clubs. I've done a bit for uh, Republic of Ireland, the senior team. I've, I've done a couple of games in the Northeast. Um, but again, which obviously I enjoy. So trying to go down that path and trying to get into that. Um, but obviously it's, it's, a, it's a tough type of industry to get into <clears throat> with limited opportunities, you know, any... Uh, not many many opportunities probably i would say paying opportunities outside the championship so you can imagine it's a it's a kind of like a flood of lots of scouts and not enough jobs really so but i think it's one of those will be you know you eventually you'll get your chance you know all you can do is be paid um and currently now i, I work um i work in a, i work for a company called impratech uh, which which have academy various schools in the northeast um, I think they've got one out in the Middle East somewhere as well. Um, and basically, I work as a full-time coach in, in the school every day, which which, which I enjoy uh, with various age groups of kids. So it just keeps me ticking along, really. So uh, that's currently where I'm at the minute. Yeah, quite a lot going on there, mate. And uh, like you said, it's a competitive field. So uh, so like you said, you're doing well to, to get into it and things like that. So, yeah, it's... It's a big market out there, but like I said, it's a very competitive field to sort of get into uh, big industry to get involved in, like in terms of paid opportunities, like you said. So, but so many great experiences there to draw off as well, and uh, I can imagine that helps you quite a lot. So, um, but uh, yeah, so we'll start with the first question, then, mate. I'm looking forward to it. What is yeah. mindset? Um, put it as related to. I mean, I probably notice it in sport. Um, I'd probably say, obviously, I've, I've went into professional football. So, you know, bridging the gap from probably being, I'd say, amateur to trying to get into professional mindset, obviously, then would be, you know, everything is increased, uh, like, like tenfold for, for where you want to get. It's obviously highly competitive. And I think, obviously, mindset's probably the biggest thing. And, and coaches go on about all the... Um, I mean, we've, we've had it with... Um, I mean, I played with some really talented kids when I was growing up, um, like better than I was players, but they didn't have, they'd always come back to, you know, they didn't have the right mindset. That's why they didn't get what they needed to get. And that can be loads of different things. Being on time, you know, like simple thing of don't be late, you know, um, you know, don't miss training, you know, be available. You know, can you take on board information from a coach? What's your... You know what's your uh, body language like? Massive. So, like I say, I've seen more talented players than I was miss out on probably professional contracts because they didn't have the basic mindset of of those things I've just said. So, to me, that's what mindset would be. Would just be, um, you know, you know, best for the task given to you by either a coach at any given moment, really, um, and how much do you give? You know, you know, the minimums are a hundred percent. There's nothing below that, and if it is, someone else is there to take your place. So I always think if your mindset isn't right, you know, it doesn't mean like you're a bad person or anything. It just means you'll end up where you end up based on mindset. So um, um, for me, the mental toughness, mental strength, all that stuff again, it comes through. It comes through experience, I suppose. Like everyone learns as you as you up um 
So for me, I think that that would be probably the, the, the main aspect of it is um, can you be coachable? What type? Can you follow basic instructions? Um, and I've I found that having that type of mindset to help me get to where I needed um, uh, by just having those basics. But you'd be surprised by a lot of people don't have it when I when I when they're probably the easiest things to have. You know. Yeah, massively, and I, I like all what uh, you linked in there to the mindset because I think there's so many, like you said, talented footballers there, and I think one of my favourite quotes is "hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard," and yeah. I think it's that's that's clearly the case in football in a lot of circumstances. Um, like you said, you probably had players around you that were probably very talented but didn't make it to the level you did purely because, or other people did just uh, yeah. purely because. They didn't have the right mindset and they didn't apply themselves um, every day. Like you said, I like the basic of turning up on time. Uh, I think, like you said, I'm, uh, I, I, I certainly need to improve that. I do most of the time, but I think sometimes I can be guilty of probably over-scheduling things and then the overrun and then you end yeah. up running late and then you're behind the clock. So, again, it's very tough to follow. Um, so Yeah, it's a massive, it's massive, isn't it? It's a massive thing. Like, we, we had a lad at... Um... Swansea, Gary Monk, uh, always say he, he would be in before everyone else. He's doing extra like swimming and and some of the lads used to always you know take the mick out of and say, "Oh, it's been busy, Gary. Why are you coming in early?" And <laughs> he'd stay behind and do extra. And this is this was it. But you know he'd say he'd say, "Tommy, look, I'm not as talented as as you or some of the other ones with your ability." He said, "Your ability can get you out of it. You don't have to do extra." He says, "Well." Talented as you lot, so I have to do twice or three times the workload you do just to be on the same level. And that always probably like stuck in my eyes. I was thinking, wow, like fair play to him, you know what I mean? He, he's understood, you know, because again, like sometimes people are, you know, just have natural talent and they can get away with not being on time or not training as hard and, and they kind of they can nick away with that at times, if you know what I mean. But that's for yeah. so long and then they get caught. Um, whereas that was brilliant from him just to say to notice I mean he had a really good career in the game but I wouldn't have had a career if I didn't do two three times what a talented player does he said I have to outwork them to to have a which is brilliant you know insight just from him how he thinks if you know what I mean so it was really good yeah, and that's a fantastic philosophy to have. I think, like, look a- look after the small details, and now look after the big details. You know, and I think that's that's a big thing to have. Like I said, you have to work twice as hard, three times as hard, just to get to where you uh, you as players were. And I'm sure there were so many talented players around you at the time at Swansea. And I think can you can you think of um, sort of. Uh, so was that a defining point then when Gary Monk said that to you? Did that change the way you looked at your training schedule and the way you yeah, well, played? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. And I, I probably didn't appreciate it till. I mean, I probably did it all the opposite way. Um, I mean, it's strange when you're an apprentice footballer, you, you, you're training three times a day and it's, it's grueling. Like, you know, you're getting your fitness, you're, you're, you're the fittest you ever are. You're at your peak. Uh, you're breaking then into trying to get pro contract. Um, and it, it's almost as if Right now, I've, I've eventually broke into the first team, and then you go, "Oh, I've made it now." Uh, I only have to do half ten to twelve. You know, I've got loads of time, and that's where I think 
probably we've made mistakes, probably not just me, but some of some of my mates I grew up with. Probably the first people out of the training ground when we should have really been there for longer than anyone else. We should have been there till four o'clock working on weakness. It's it's one of those things where it's a, you know you you find out um, the people like say like a Gary Monk or whatever it is or another lad I was at Sullivan with uh, was another one who would would do would do so much more training. They do injury prevention programs and you know all this type of stuff after after training and we'd always go, Wow, stop being so busy, man, just go home. But they just don't well no here as well. You know, so you always look back and think, wow, if I had their mindset when I was when I was eighteen, nineteen, you know, I have millions of pounds in the bank now. That could have been the difference. Whereas don't get me wrong, we still went on and had a half decent careers. But everything could have been so much more better. You just your mindset was completely different as as obviously with your question about the mindset. You know, it, it's so massively important. And that's why when I went into agency stuff, I had to, you know, it, it was good that I could give advice to young players and just say, look, lads, forget your mates, forget them. Anyone who's not rooting for you to do extra or trying to help you, you just need to drop them straight away because, you know, they don't have your interest at heart. If they're, if they're not being honest with you and saying, look, you know, you've got 15 years probably in this career maximum. That's all you've got. And if steer you off the path, like you need to just drop them in an instant. So I probably should have done that. Probably I would say back in the day, but at the same responsibility, and you know that's where the strong probably characters come out and say, and we all, we always say in football, you need to be selfish. Put your you know, if your missus wants to go shopping, for example, at two o'clock on a <laughs> on a Wednesday, you need to just say no. I'm going back to bed sleep i need to rehydrate i need to go and do a i don't know a core class or whatever it is yeah it might it might annoy her but it, it put themselves first like that i've always went on to have good careers you know done really well you know yeah that's it and like you said if people had worked harder they might have had millions in the bank and i i don't think it's even about the money in that sense i think yeah that helps massively obviously but i think it's about the person you become in the process and uh, not not missing a workout, like you said, to go shopping with the missus on a Saturday afternoon and, uh, you know, or, exactly. or Wednesday afternoon, yeah. whenever it might be. And I think it's just, um, like I said, minor details that make the big difference in the, the grand scheme of things as well. So, obviously, you said how important mindset is. Um, what percentage, would you, if you could give it a percentage in relation to talent, uh, what what would you say? Mindset. Is... I, I, I would. I would say mindset would be eighty percent. I would say in 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 it's a football. I would. I mean, we always talk about even even when I was, you know, involved even in agency stuff. Sometimes you'd say, "Wow, imagine the that player has if he could only do this. If he could only, you know, listen to the coach. If he could only do extra classes. If he could only, you know." And we'd always keep saying stuff like that, you know, and, and, and not, not like just agency stuff, anything really, just players you've played with and just go, wow, my touch is unreal. Or imagine being able to finish the way he can. He just does it simple, but then he can't do any of the other things that I find simple, you know, like by, you know, closing down someone, running about, like just having a go and having a bit of intensity, you know, or having a bit of an attitude and coach takes like say stuff back to the coach and you know just just so many little things like that and, and again you always find the ones that 
you know, not all the time. Two that will sneak through and, and you go, how is he playing on that level? He shouldn't be there. And, you know, you, you know that. But overall, out like because no one really will go and play in the Premier League week in, week out, play 15 seasons if they're not forced around the sides as in they got they've got everything in the locker, if you know what I mean. They just the game's so intense now. I fight so much. Unless if you're not giving a hundred percent, especially in the Premier League players and stuff like that, you, you will filter down the leagues like you just won't last. It just doesn't happen now. Whereas when I was probably playing, I don't know, like low, early 2000s, you, there was, you, you could sneak a few trips, still probably have a couple of nights out during the week and get away with it. You know, you could, you could probably get away with it to a certain degree, but do it now. Like, I mean, the, the younger players now, especially like, I mean, most of them now, they, they wouldn't drink alcohol, they live right. They, they know like what they're, they're competing against. You know other teams that are sacrificing more than them. So, you know that 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 one night out, you know, you're dehydrated, you go in, you pull a hamstring, you're out for six to eight weeks, you lose your place in the team, and then all of a sudden, at the end of the year, you get released because you haven't played enough games. That one night could possibly just one night out having a few drinks could possibly now cost you so much. You know, so I mean, we, but most of the teams were probably doing the same as what we were doing. So we were all around yeah. the same fitness. But as soon as the fitness changed, the, the players have no choice now. Just, you either give it everything you've got and sacrifice everything you've got or you won't be long in the game. As simple as that. Not now. No. That's it. And obviously when you say, like I said, so many different players um, now, like I said, you've got so much competition there and the fitness levels are absolutely ridiculous for some of them now as well so it's yeah. so so high the levels of fitness that have to be and body, body fat percentage and things like that and I think I think it's a big thing so I, and I remember you telling me about um, a young player that came into the room and said and spoke to you and sort of said look we, we can't be doing this now compared to it's, it's changed from 15 years ago where you could probably go out have a night out in a week and yeah. uh, and a night at the weekend, like I said, they have to remain so professional now. I think, and it's it's only sacrifice if you don't enjoy what you're doing. But I think a lot of the footballers enjoy what they're doing, hence why they get to where they get to. Um, yeah, I think- and some sometimes you don't care. Like I mean, the, the odd time, like don't get me wrong, like you you'll have days when you go in and like, for example, you go, oh, this is crap. Oh, I hate doing this session, or but like <laughs> you're so. You know, like, you know, you're so wrapped up that you haven't, like, I mean, if you're moaning about, and you only realise it when you finish playing football and you think, wow, I was moaning about getting paid to do, like, when you you think of it, people will just laugh and say, are you having a laugh? Like, I'm doing a 14 hour shift in a factory tomorrow and you're moaning about like, but that's all you know. So you don't know anything outside it, but to you, you probably think, oh, that was a crap day. Yeah. Because you up and in a bubble, most players are. But it, like I said, at the same time, is it's uh, we, we spoke about there, like definitely like sacrificing is the big sacrifice and being selfish. You've got to do it, like, and, and you will you'll appear selfish to most people. You and, and again, like, you'll you will lose friends because of it. You're just going to have to say to them, My mate's my 24th birthday or whatever it is. Sorry, can't make it. I have stuff to do. 
people and uh-huh. say, look, I have to do it. I just have to do it. There's, there's no way. There's no other way, you know. That's it. And that's where the discipline comes in, isn't it? And I think the consistency of, no, sorry, I, I can't have that drink or no, sorry, I can't go on that night out. And like I said, it's sacrificing and being selfish for the greater good exactly. for yourself, really. So you spoke yeah. about the training schedules then. So I'm probably a little bit curious about that because what did your training schedules look like at the beginning of your career? Yeah, and then well, uh, at the end, so, uh, compared to the end of your career, do you see what I mean? Because I think in them fifteen years, uh, a lot would have changed. Oh, massive! Yeah, oh, massive now. Um, I mean, it's different contrast now. We're all the sports science now. A lot of the training sessions are controlled, like as in, uh, you know, so you, you have all the, you know, you have your heart rate monitors and hydration tests and all this, and it gives them an idea of they can kind of almost predict. You know, if you, for example, if your hydration is too much, they do an intense session with you because you're high risk then of maybe pulling a muscle or whatever. So they couldn't have, they, they, they couldn't, I mean, 15 years ago when I was starting, that you were going in probably dehydrated and you were running, you know, I mean, you were running your socks off, you're up and down sand dunes and all this type of stuff. But they didn't know. They just thought, well, you know, this is it. You need to suffer. This is pain, but it's worth it in the end because you will get fit. And I remember doing, my first week of pre-season in Sunderland, all I did was run. Like, I don't think we've seen a ball. And I was like, I was ringing home to my parents. I was like, mom, I said, all I do is run, run, run. I said, we barely... And like, my body was in pain. I was in agony because it was, you know, morning and then you have your lunch and then you're back out then for the second. You have another strength and conditioning one. So you're almost doing three sometimes a day for pre-season. So that's a big hit on your system when you're 16 and dating to start and your body's like a it's like a sledgehammer hitting it so uh i probably said i likened it to probably going in special forces training where you just, you just basically um but it was worth it for me in the end because i think once my body adapted and, and, and it does your body just gets adapts when you're you just heal so quick and recover quick um so i remember after two or three weeks four even four weeks then i was thinking wow this is absolutely super super fit um, and I think it worked for us at the time. Our youth team were really, really strong at the, at the time. Seven lads that went through from the youth team to the first team. And we used to batter teams because last half an hour, we were just fitter. We could just go that extra. And all that pain, all the suffering kind of we went through was probably worth it. Now, scientists now today would probably disagree with it. And, and, and you'd, sometimes they'd say, oh, he hasn't worked hard enough because he's not sore. He hasn't worked hard enough because uh, he didn't puke up. You know, like imagine saying that now. I could just wow. get away with it. Yeah. So, um, or, or like he, he doesn't look like he's sweating enough. Right. We're going to work until he's, he's absolutely on his knees. <laughs> you know, like wow. stuff like that. And, uh, whereas <laughs> when I finished coming probably to the end of my career, it was like every morning uh, you'd, have to, you'd, have to, you'd have to give a urine sample to the uh, sports scientist. Um he do he he and then he'd analyze your well hold on tell me what were you eating last night what did you drink oh, I don't know I had Nando's or I had this or that well it was obviously very salty or hydrated uh, we were going to do such and such a training session today we're not doing it today because you're a high risk of injury go and sit in the pool and then the lads would be out tra- training and then uh, you, you already feel really guilty because you're thinking wow all I did was just like but again just education it's like well why you know listen 
you know, like the, the data is there, you know, the evidence is there. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I pulled a muscle, but I'm at a higher risk of pulling one. So they just didn't take any risk. But then I'm missing out on the training session. And then the manager's probably thinking, right then, so why should I put him in my squad? Then you're out of the squad and you're thinking, just because I didn't eat the right things, I was a bit dehydrated. There's a lot, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of managers out there that like the older ones are probably, I'd say, would disagree with that and say, well, if you're my best player, I'll leave you out just because you're dehydrated. So there's a lot, you'll see they have arguments a lot. Like you'll see the managers arguing with the sports scientists and back. They're just following data. Guidelines. And, you know, they, exactly. Like they, they're just trying to give the manager as much information as possible for him to make the right. Um, and, you know, I, I've seen it before where, all right, go on, then play him and see what happens. And then the player will play, bang, rupture the hand. And the sports scientist is sitting there going, I told you, I told you. And then the manager, you know, so it's, 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 it's hard to get the balance. But, you know, I noticed towards the end of my career is, um, I mean, some, some clubs have sleep monitors and stuff where they, you know, they have to get in their eight hours of sleep. All the healing process from the sessions, you know, the intense sessions you need. You know, obviously, the more you sleep, the more you heal. That's what they're saying. So, going in the morning and giving your sleep tracker to the sports scientist and he goes, oh, whoa, 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 you've only <laughs> slept four hours. Are you having a laugh? That's a disgrace. You, you know, you you know, you need to be, you know, so there's no hiding places now. I feel a bit sorry for players in a way. You know, they kind of hide all this technology. Um, but at the same time is, if clubs are paying people 50, 100 grand a week to yeah. to get eight hours, you know, they have, they have every right to tell them to. So um, I've just noticed it towards the end and I probably would have out my career if, if I probably lived, I mean, lived right, as in eating properly and getting sleep, probably cost me years off my doing that. I think so. Yeah, and you see so many players now where it's normal to go. I don't think it's, I think it's normal to go till about 40 now at, at a high yeah. league level in terms of minimum league two and above. I'd say, I think, I think you're seeing more and more players doing it and then still playing senior football at 50 and yeah. 55 and you're thinking wow but like you said it's where the technology helps I think it's harder to be a manager than ever now than it ever has yeah. been in terms of selection because even during an academy level you know like um, I've, I've worked with girls academies and things like that and you're thinking oh should we, should we play this player should we play that player but that player turned up to training but that player has got an injury but that player is very like we could probably use on Saturday but they didn't turn up or they've got a bit of a niggle. And it, it, again, there's so many different things, even at academy level now, where you, you're having to try and make them decisions and it's hard as a manager and a coach to go, right, how do we get the balance right? And the truth is you never truly get the balance right. Um, yeah. But Human think, beings at the end of the day, Kieran, you, you know yourself. I've had managers before where I've, I've probably been a week off being back to full fitness and a manager will come in and say, if I ask you to play tomorrow, will you play? And I go, well, yeah, of course, I'm never going to say no, but... No, and then the yeah. physio's like, physio's going, no, no, Gaffer, no. He, he, extra week, I'm telling you now, do not play him. And then they're fighting, arguing with each other. And they say, look, I'm trying to win the game. And then the physio's saying, I'm trying to protect the players. Like, you know, <laughs> it, 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 there's loads of stuff people don't see on the outside of what goes on in clubs. Um, 
but things things like that like probably that one instance I probably went back and done that and bang hamstring tear after 15 minutes and then I'm out for another eight weeks and kind of grinning at the managers if they get told you and the manager it's like saying well I don't care I'm trying to win games so you know it's you see this type of stuff happen all the time and um, I mean like people can take it a bit too far as well look at the end of the day managers aren't robots either did they want like the best do tend to do well have really good team spirit and they're not like you know they're not like monks they don't just sit at home all day in a room like you know doing press-ups and whatever it is you know what I mean they do they do have fun they go out together in groups and they have dinner and all the rest of it and Brendan Rogers was probably like that at Swansea he was he was mad about obviously like you know like the family like family whole group everyone together you know everyone trying to mix and more human side of them as oh you look a bit tired today son and you know listen we've looked at your date and you just you know your your dehydration your hydration levels everything you just look a bit down in the dumps listen you we're going to send you away for a week on holiday take (laughs) take a break and then come back re-energized and ready to go and all the rest of it he just had a knack of just kind of being able to tell when people you know body language you know just the way he looks a bit i'll pull him in the office and have a chat and see if everything you know is everything all right at home son and you know you can speak to me and think, oh wow that's not like the other managers you get where you'd be terrified to even admit anything's going wrong if you know what i mean because oh he'll just he'll just why admit anything you know so he was probably like way ahead of his time then when i was at swansea in terms of how to manage people properly like you can be as robotic as you can be as as being on time and being having the right body fats and all that but at the end of the day you're, you're a human being and smiling and enjoying football and all the rest of it and so i think he was probably uh now really good in terms of that being able to just pick people that needed to be picked out at the right time his timing was really good i think with people hence you know good really good man manager you know that kind of, that's why they get paid so much money if you know what i mean so yeah, absolutely, mate. And and Brendan, like I said, Brendan Rogers was uh, is obviously clearly. I mean, obviously, I don't, I, I don't know him that well, but uh, um, he's obviously. You're a Leicester fan, aren't you, Kieran? You Leicester, aren't you? I am. Yeah, I'm a Leicester fan. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's right. quite interesting at the minute. Yeah. Uh, I feel a lot, a lot of people probably um, want Brendan Rogers out at the minute, but I think yeah, there's so much you don't. I mean. It's a results-based business now, and I feel, I feel like, yeah, at the minute they're not getting. Probably the been there a bit now. too long now. I think probably you think, and it's probably so. You know, I, I probably been there a bit too long, and you know what I mean. That that can happen sometimes at clubs, and uh, you know what I mean. It's he's done wonders with them, and he won the FA Cup, so great history there. And it might be just one of them where time to go, time to probably move on. And you know, he's not going to struggle getting a club though, is he, Caron? Wherever he goes, because he's top top. No, this is this is it. Yeah, and like I said, you know him better than me. But um, but yeah, like I said, from a sort of, uh, I suppose, if you're looking from a fan's perspective and a and a player's and probably and probably you know like a coach's perspective as well, you, you're looking at and you're going, yeah, maybe it's time to to say thank you and yeah. and, and 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 move on. You, you know, maybe maybe some things have gone on a little bit too long. But again, I think. It's like I said, see where it goes from here. Like I said, he's won the FA Cup, been very successful with us, took us to fifth place twice in the league. 
and yeah. very close to fourth. You know, very close to getting Champions League football and probably should have, to be honest. But yeah. Yeah. like you said, you look at it from that perspective and you go, well, like, what a great achievement. And now maybe it's yeah. time to move on. But uh, I think, like you said, it's, it's a results-based business. And I think, like I said, he'll have no problem getting a job elsewhere. And I, I feel like, although some people, like I said, so, like I said, probably me as well, like probably think maybe it's time to move on. It's... You know, you struggle to find people that are doing a better job. You know, exactly. sometimes it is yeah. just that fresh, fresh face. Sometimes to come in and and change it up a little bit, and it, sometimes it's a change you need. But um, yeah, like I said, in terms of man management, he seems to have really got it. Like sending you on holiday when when you're down and like you're struggling is is a brilliant thing to do. And like I said, that's that that speaks volumes, and that's a massive part of the game where. You probably, like I said, you you're struggling a bit, so it's, it's supporting you, and you're still human at the end of the day. Like, how important would you say enjoying football is? Because I say this to my players all the time: if you're not enjoying football, you won't develop because you, you you don't want to. Yeah, you, you, I think as well. It takes a manager to 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 remind you of of that, as in like, you know, like come in and just say say stuff like, you know, lads, you all look a bit. You know, he's look quiet. He's look a bit shell shocked, down. He say like, well, there's no people smiling. Remember why we're here. You know, like remember why did you play the game? You know, you're here to enjoy yourself. You played football because you. Well, you're here now. This is the highest level you're ever going to be at. You know, like so. Why aren't you out there enjoying yourselves and and say try and try and just remind you of, of stuff like that and just say look at the journey you've been on since a kid. How hard is it to be a professional footballer? Like how how what the odds you were up against? So why aren't you smile and join it and, and yeah look obviously when you lose everyone's miserable it's end of the world stuff but it's yeah. just like look lads you know we go again time to be sitting around being miserable all right we, we need to go again monday then we need a big reaction and training everyone's smiling happy again and just to be sitting around it and that's sometimes a hard bit for players to comprehend is losses if you have a loss some players will hold on to a loss for weeks gone like mentally that's what you're saying about mental mental side of the game it's just the best players I've seen just chalk it off just a right or lost what I did wrong in the game I need to either train or put it right and then I need to adjust and go again and then boom that's just delete from the brain and whereas you know some players would be dwelling on it it'd affect their confidence and then you hear sometimes and say oh that player's confident there's just not enough time you know what I mean it's and that's where the top draw managers just pull them in and they'll explain something to players in a certain way and say, say, for example, his confidence is gone. Listen, we don't have time. And I think it was Brendan who done, done a brilliant one. Was um, He just said uh, he said to a player, I can't remember who it was now, he pulled in and, ju- and just said something like, yeah. um, go back to a time. I picked out a match where a player scored a hat-trick. And he said, that day. So what was your preparation from as soon as you got up in the morning? What did you do? everything down to a tea what time did you have a cup of coffee what did you do all the way up to the kickoff and he the player told him what he did and he says right next saturday do the exact on that day you scored a hat trick and see if that helps he said because obviously something obviously worked there for you to be going in smiling and being on fire and and he said whatever it is whatever it is just copy it and the player just thought about and it's like yeah actually yeah that's that's actually a good shout and I think he 
the period. I don't think he scored a hat trick, but he played really well. I think he set up a goal and whatever it was. And obviously, you see him smiling and that, and just going, look, it's just simple stuff like just simple things. Don't overthink it. Just go back to basics and just have a little think about how, on the best day of my life, the best game, whatever way I prepared for it, I'll go back and do it. You know, like, so that, I don't know, it might not work with everyone, but it did, it worked for that player, which is just quite, you know what I mean? So another, you're thinking, wow, how good is that? Just to just uh, come up with something like that again and manage someone that well, you know, that's brilliant. Like, That's incredible, that is, and that's a great way of doing it as well. So, and it can apply in everyday life. So if you've had a good day at work, you might have had a promotion at work, you might have uh, had a good day financially, you might have had a good day, you might have ran, an extra mile that day, whatever it might be. And just revisiting the process of what you did on that day is a brilliant yeah. model to look yeah, at. Excellent. So that's definitely excellent. something I'm going to do. Yeah, um, that's brilliant, yeah. 100%. And, um, and I feel like I've probably got to ask you this from, uh, from a fan's perspective, but like, who was, who was the best manager you felt that you played under? I for me probably Roberto Martinez just for because uh, I think when Brendan came in I was injured I was I was I had, a, I had that hip flexor rupture and yeah. uh, I actually never got back fit I, I got back fit for I wasn't really fit I, I knew I was I was finished I thought I was like you know I was thinking right I was going to try and get back but I, I wasn't the same at all I knew I was finished um, but Roberto was probably the best for me just just going from. I mean, he was only a young man. He was only, I think he was like 39 or 40. Um, and I always remember when we had a team, uh, when, he, when he got introduced to us by the chairman, uh, he, and he came out and he started talking. Listen, he started saying, uh, you know, look, the average passing in the, in the League One was like 200 passes, 250 a game. If we get 600, 700 passes a game, he says that means we've dominated the match, and the more possession we have, the hood we will win more games than we lose. And I was looking at all the other lads, and I said, "This bloke's going to get sacked in two weeks." I said, like, "He's <laughs> going to pass the ball and lead one." I said, "There's just no chance." I said, "There's just you no way." Kicks, kicks said, and everything. Yeah, yeah, league balls in the air most of the game, um, and I said the fans as well. If they see us trying to pass the ball about. And and someone nicks in and wins the ball. Boo's <laughs> gonna ring. I, I said, I know it's coming. Um, but I was thinking <laughs> like obviously I looked at a lot of the other lads and it was hilarious. Just I walked out and went, Wow, I said, This guy's got some balls. I said, I'll tell you what, if this works. I said he's he's gonna be gonna be one of the best managers. And just like I think the first few games, I think we drew a couple because uh, we were getting used to it. but we had all the technical players to play the way he wanted. We had most of the players in, in the Swansea team that probably started in Premier League teams and, and probably filtered down. So we had really good technical the ball and key possession. So I think after a few weeks, then once we started ball playing out from the back and it's called the Swansea way, so-called DNA, the Swansea way of, of, of playing out from the back. And um, as soon as we went one or two nil up, we just keep on little triangles everywhere all over the pitch. And it literally was looking like like a foreign team. We looked like a Dutch team or a Spanish team. Um, yeah. Him as influence, I think, obviously with Barcelona, and he, he's got re he's really kind of good friends with Jordi Cruyff. So you can imagine the conversation I have <laughs> and all this. So 
In fairness, to him, like I say, he's, he's done really well, obviously. Uh, but for me, personally, as a player, I liked him because I, I, was a, I wasn't a defensive player. And, and in, obviously, in English football, being a winger, I mean, you're up and down, you're defending, you're for most of the game if, if you're playing against probably a better team or whatever. So I, I, I didn't really enjoy it as much and thinking, oh, God, I have to keep back the whole game. But when he came in, he just said, no, no. He said, you're in a winger. Well, you're going to play in the three on the right or left. He said, as soon as the ball goes over the line defensively, he said, just leave, leave your fullback. And I said, but Gaffer, it'll be 2v1 then against our fullback. And he went, yeah, so what? He said, that's the job, the defenders. He said, no, no. He said, as soon as it gets to the halfway line, you just stay up. He said, we want to save your, our, our attacking players then. We're going forward. Yeah, and I was thinking, is this bloke nuts or what? I said, I've never had this in my life. But I was delighted because <laughs> I'm thinking, good. I said, I'm sick, you know, getting, you know, getting too much cover all the time. Like, and you know what I mean? I, was, I actually agreed with his philosophy there. I was someone has, has stuck up for attacking players and let us attack, let us try and score more goals and just yeah. let them do the job. Um, so sometimes it's 64 against their back four, but... All Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we'd work on all week is being outnumbered defensively. Outnumbered. Defensive, defensive unit outnumbered. And they got used to being outnumbered. So it wasn't as if he just threw them in the lines then and said, right, lads, he's outnumbered, deal with it. So he did. He, so that was a good opportunity. He worked on it. So they weren't, they weren't overwhelmed or like, oh, God, look, the 6v4, what are we going to do? So as soon as their goalkeeper caught, it was like sometimes 3v3 up front and he just, Get a ball, get a, get a high and wide, as get the balls out, and, and I'd control the ball. I'd be near, I'd be near an eighteen-yard box by the time I controlled it. So I think we had one year where we had, I think, I think it was probably the first or second year, sixteen penalties in one year, because wow. as soon as either wing, it was either me or Andy Robinson, either took a touch of the ball, and two or three yards outside the eighteen-yard box, and you'd run in, you jink someone, go down, get a penalty. And that's all because of we were so high up. These teams I would have been in, I would have been would have been receiving that ball before the halfway line, so I would have had another yeah. forty yards to make up. Then I'd either get tackled or you just pass the ball. So I loved it. I'd saved so much energy by just all I had to do was just go and attack. So loved it. Um, so and even him, him from man management as well was was brilliant. Like really good. Like. The training sessions and stuff he used to do, everything, all football-based. It was never like, lads, were crap today. What are you going to pay for? You're going to run because he's lost. He didn't believe in any of that. He was like, he'd be more kind of, if you let him down, he'd make you feel guilty. Like he'd be, like you come in and say stuff. Come on, lads, you know, I'm, 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 I'm asking the chairman to get us, you know, new equipment, new day, pre-season breakaway to say Spain or somewhere, and that's how he's repaying me and he'd be real down and i go, oh God. So I, I'd rather a man scream and shout and have you by the neck. Yeah. I, I prefer those than he'd, he'd play it the other way, like emotionally play yeah, it. Play the emotion. Then, yeah, and then you, you'd go out and ha- you'd probably gone out at half time. I go, oh, come on, lads, we've let the gaffer down there. He's a, he's a top man and he's trying to look after us and we've, we've let him down there. Now he's probably laughing in the changing room going, ha, yeah. I've played these. And and then we'd go out and give him a reaction, but he, he like I say, Alberto as well was was way ahead of his time then. Like Swansea 
in terms of recruiting managers then like they're, they're so lucky they just got him and then see like Brendan in similar type of philosophies different a little bit different in ways but um you know what I mean I think Brendan you had to also tactical as well you obviously believed in passing the ball playing the right way but you had to be tactically switched on and whereas Roberto sometimes like with a five up front attacking like and people would be looking go what's going on here it's crazy it's just madness but we just caught so many teams off guard they just couldn't cope with us like you know so um even even the FA Cup we played we had a good little run in the FA Cup I think we had Fulham away Roy Hodgson and they just narrowly beat us I think away from home but even Roy Hodgson came into our change room we got league one team and he just said lads look um Roberto said lads for the league one team he said that's the best uh, best I've seen. He says in terms of playing the ball and the right way, play the right way. He says for League One, he says I'm I'm absolutely buzzing. And he said like from now on, I'll be watching Swansea every week and uh, when I see the highlights, that's outstanding how he's played. Just didn't deserve to, to lose. And he said, lads, we have England internationals and all playing on our team now, like today and stuff like that. And he says by large parts of the game, he says we couldn't get near you. And he goes credit to yourselves, lads, and also real classy from him, like Roy Hodgson. Um, but like how good, you know, how far advanced he was, like, and and again, no wonder he went on to do, you know, obviously, look, he, he got stick at everything, he got stick at Wigan, but again, like, uh, he done well, obviously, with Belgium, and he's just like for me, I I, I would pick him probably. Like one of those managers again, I always pick one of those managers that you would you'd run through walls for, you'd do anything for, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So that's players. Some sometimes you'll have a manager who you don't like, who you just think, you know what, I'm actually glad to see him go. I didn't really get on with him, don't agree with most of the and vice versa. The feelings probably mutual, but I think like with him and probably Brendan's, they're the types of people that you know, if you feel like you've let them, that they just they'll just give you a look. And that's all they need to give you. They're well saying anything that you know you've let them down. That's just like the, that's why the so, top draw, that's why they are where they are, in my opinion. The difference between the top, top draw managers and then obviously the ones probably a bit lower down, in my opinion, you know. Yeah, massively. And both gone on to have very successful careers as well. And I think, like you said, Swansea at that time with the likes of Lee Trundle and Scott Sinclair and Ango Rangel and yourself and so many, you know, uh, Leon Britton, so many different players like that, that caliber. Where I feel like it, they had such a good run of managers and players, and uh, the football, the style of football they adopted was fantastic. So um, yeah, it was it was brilliant to be fair. So can you give any examples then of where a strong mindset has helped you during your career? Um, I'd probably say even from my mother when I was a kid playing football, like. Just simplicity, like, you know, like, I think things, and especially in sport, like, you know, I remember there was a, a team called Cherry Orchard in Dublin, like, they were one of the big schoolboy teams who all had players go away to England. And I always remember we were playing them on a weekend, and, and my mum seen me on a Friday, and she goes, what's wrong with you, son? You look really well. And I was like, I said, oh, we're playing, I said, we're playing Cherry Orchard tomorrow. I said, like, they're an absolute, I said, like, they're just strong. I said, like, all over. Super, super strong. Um, and I just said, like, because uh, they don't really have a weakness. Like, I'm trying to think about how we could probably, you know, exploit them or, like, you know, like, some, whatever weakness they have. And, and they just don't have one. 
so that that from the mental type of thing, my head was so. Uh, and it's funny, and she just came out with something real simple. She just went, "Why you're so worried about them?" She goes, "Um, them. They, worry about yeah, you." She goes, um, they have two arms and two legs, don't they? And I went, "Yeah." <laughs> and she goes, "So they can run, you can run, so that's it." You're worrying about? He said they're the exact same as you. She goes, "What are you? Why are you putting them so high up?" And the way she said it, is, I was like, "On, oh, she's right. What, what am I worried about? Like, I've, I'm I'm built the same as them." What am I worried about? It's like my mind was already defeated before I even got on the pitch, if you know what I mean. So yeah. uh, that's from a change of mindset, just from my mother, it was simplicity. Like, so we went, obviously played the next day then, and uh, face. I was only probably like 11, 12 or whatever. Uh, and then she's just kind of looking at me, kind of smiling. She goes, well, how'd you get on today? And I says, oh, in a way, like, and it's a cherry orchard. And she just smiled and just went, so what were you worried about? And I said, yeah, I was just thinking about going under the pitch, like in my head, just head saying, they've got two legs, two arms, just like me. That was it. So, you know, just a simple thing of, of, of just being fearful of, of, of on paper, you might look at a team and go, wow, look at the players they've got. And then nine times out of 10, it's not when you're on the pitch as them, you know. So, so you, you can have your mindset defeated before you even play or start. You know, just mean, and and they always say it. Loads of coaches and over the years will say, "I don't care if we get if we lose, but you know, fear out there. Don't be fearful. Get on the ball. If you lose it, get on it again. Get on it again. Make your first pass a good pass. You know, defenders win your first head. If you don't go again, go again. Keep on. Have the right body language. You know, so all that type of stuff I learned obviously down the line, but probably at the start as the that was a change of mindset for me, just from my parents, from the parents straight away. Just, you know, you're overthinking it, son. They're the same as you. You know, there's no difference. And I probably took that probably going forward, like from that day, you know, simplicity, that, you know. Massively, yeah. And that was a word I was just going to use as well. Like you said, simplicity was the highlight for me there, where they've got two arms, they've got two legs. Yeah. Exactly like them. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's some minor details sometimes that help the better teams uh, on paper, like you said, that, that, that they can go and beat you. But it's like you said, it's nowhere near as bad as what you think. Yeah, what you will. think. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and that's it. And it's about it's about sort of having no limitations with it and pushing yourself as far as you can go. And I think that's I think that's a big thing, really. So, how often then do you try to develop your mindset? Uh, it just depends if, if I have a, I mean I'm probably pretty steady you know like now obviously I've retired I wouldn't be I mean like for professional sport and that like it's there's no day off like it's every day like there's no kind of cruise controller it's like you know you're judged every session like you win on a Saturday Sunday no one cares you've got to prove yourself again training on Monday hyper competitive um, so you just didn't have time to be sitting around in your mind. I wouldn't say sulking, but just kind of, oh, you just, there's no time. You just have to go again. Whereas now, obviously, um, I just think if it's, if, if it's so bad, I'll always, I, the way I compartmentalize it in my head, just, you know, real simple. I just say, well, look, I just think of other people that are probably having a harder time than I am, whether it's to do with health or to do with, financial stuff or wherever it is and I just tend to think well alright I'm having a bit of a bad day but 
those people infinitely in a worse place than me and, and they have a better attitude and a better outlook and I kind of just say, right, don't go on, Tommy, give you a head of shake, will you, and just crack on. I'd probably go, probably go from there, really, if, I've, if, I, if I feel like I'm a little bit, and I don't know, quiet or down or whatever it is. I just think of people. I know that's probably a bit, a bit morbid, isn't it, sort of thing, but it, it no, works for me, you know. It probably just works yeah. for me, you know. So that's, that's probably how I would do it. That's it, and I think I, I, I do that. On uh, on occasions, so like I said, it, it just feels a bit morbid at times. But like you said, there's there's people in far worse situations, and there's always somebody worse off than you, and there's always somebody better off than you. You know, yeah. in some aspect, in different aspects of life, and I think we all want more. That's human yeah. nature. I think and it's never as bad as what it is. Like I always, I used to always kind of think like a small, like the biggest thing in the world, and then it's like I say, is all hold on a minute, calm down, get your head straight, and. And is it really this big of a deal? Like, is it really this bad? And then you kind of go, well, hold on a minute. And then you try and draw on a few other people's circumstances. And then you go, well, actually, hold on a minute. What panic out here? This is nothing compared to A, B, C, D or whoever it is, you know? So um, I think I think that's what you need a little bit. And I think, obviously, exercise, probably one of the biggest things is just clearing your head. I mean, I know, obviously, yourself, you're big into your fitness. And uh, obviously, your buddy Carl and people like that are. And it's, it's, it's right, you know? Go for it, you know, no matter what's going on in your head. If you go to the gym or go for a good run or go for a swim, you just feel better after it. You just as bad as what it was before. Uh, I find out. So, I mean, that's what my advice would be to anyone, and especially young younger lads like yourself, your age. Whatever's going on, or you're having a bad day, go for a go for a seven eight mile run, or do whatever it is, or or go and hammer yourself in the gym. And I guarantee, nine times out of ten. You'll just you'd be feeling so much better after it. Yeah, I think. Well, when I've done that, sometimes I've I've had a much clearer head. As soon as I exercised, you know, I've exercised, ate well, or slept well. They all sound simple things, but a lot of people don't do them. But I think they they, they don't pretty probably show. I think on the advertising or on the TV, and I think if they did more of that, I think I think people would be much happier. Uh, definitely. Totally agree, and you've answered my last two questions, which is fantastic. To be fair, like. Um... <laughs> In, in, in one because like like you said you, you, you do like exercise and things like that and obviously the advice side yeah definitely go out and do exercise and, and support people as much as possible I think like you said if there's, I don't tend to watch TV a lot of the time I'll watch I'll, obviously I'll watch Netflix I'll watch documentaries things like that if I'm going to watch anything but I think there's so much negativity in the world in terms of news now you look at it and nine tenths of it will be negative rather than positive and like you said it's about promoting that and there's great uh, there's great uh, platforms out there that promoting positive vibes as well and like um, fitness and exercise and health and there's loads out there about that now which is brilliant but um, I think I think a big thing for, for you would have been retiring like what obviously you've done quite a lot since but what do you do and I've spoke to a couple of ex-footballers about this because I've met a few what what do you do after you've done football? Like you must reach a stage where you've gone. What do I do now? Or yeah, what I, 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 yeah. I think I think you do. And prepared, like no no footballer they'll say is prepared for when when you finish because I mean, I mean, there's a lot more awareness around now. Where um, even even the PFA, I'm I'm assuming or I think they do, um, kind of end of career type, um. 
yeah, transitions, if you know what I mean. So as soon as you hit, I think as soon as you hit 26, 27, either the PFA or the clubs or whoever the representatives of the players are, players that age, they should be meeting with players to discuss um, career transition. Like, And it doesn't matter what you transition into, whatever it is. So say, oh, I don't know, I want to be a sport, sports lawyer or whatever it is. Right, well, that's going to take you six years. Um, so you're 26 or so 32, you're coming out of it and you're going to like gradually go into that. I mean, it's great going straight into something, but like never replaces that of, you know, competitiveness in football. In my opinion, it doesn't anyway, because it's, you know, it, it is, it's a different kind of almost the adrenaline, if you know what I mean, of playing, competing every day and, and being with groups of lads, hyper competitive people as well, like to be kicking lumps out of you every day. So, you know, you're not going to get that in an office, if you know what I mean, that kind of, that kind of stuff. You might get it in a different type of way, competitive, not yeah. a physical aspect of it. Um, but, um, no, I, I definitely think when I finished, it was, I wouldn't say I was even, because I, because I had the injury and I had it for so long, I knew, I just knew when I was trying to make comebacks and I'd be out for six months and I'd go, right, I'm, I'm back now, I'm on the, and then I break down again, I break down again. I knew, so I had a little bit more time mentally to transition. But even then, you, I mean, look, there on Wednesday, you're like, wow, like I can just go into a pub now at two o'clock and have a pint, have a few pints, and no one cares. You know, I never had that before where you could just, you could just do what you kind of want without someone coming over to you and saying, you shouldn't be doing this and you're not allowed to do that. Or you had to like hide so no one would see you having a pint or whatever it was, any, anything like that. You know, you have all your kind of, you would say, freedom because obviously, you know, you're football and you're, you're babied almost as well by the club. They do everything for you. You know what I mean? I, you know, yeah. You to them, you're a commodity to them and that's it. And they've, they're paying money for you to, to perform on a pitch and they do everything for you. Like, I, I remember even leaving, obviously moved back to Sunderland. There was... Like, what, how do I go about going to the doctors now to sign up for a doctor? I didn't have a clue. Like, because all your medical football team, you just, you know, if you need a scan, you just stroll straight in and get a scan. Like, I remember going to the hospital and actually, uh, I actually went to reception with my bank card and I had my bank card out. I said, oh, I've been in for some tests. The woman was laughing through the window going, what are you talking about? I've just had like an ECG or whatever it was. And what are your taxes that, for? Yeah, and I had my card out, and I said, so how much is that? And she goes, no, no. She goes, well, well what do you mean? And I said, I didn't have a clue what she was talking about. So that just shows how, how uh, you know, like what type of bubble some people. So you do have a little bit of an adjustment thing. But, um, I mean, for me, I, I probably, you know, because I'll probably look back on my career. I was like, oh, God, if only I did this, if only I did that. And, you know, I could have probably had a long, probably better career. Um, but you know, I still wouldn't take away from the fact that I had a career. You know, a lot of people don't. So, so you can be hard on yourself as well and judge yourself a bit too too much and think, well, you know, this and I should have done that. And as everybody in all walks of life probably looks back and says the same. Um, so I, I just think now the PFA have that a big responsibility. I don't think they do enough. Um, really, they could they could do more. I think, especially for players probably in the lower league, like league that really need I mean Premier League lads should have millions should have millions saved in the bank and they'll probably have a bit more choice of what they can do and 
stress. But the lads in League Two and probably League One will need to work. Um, most of them will. So, you know, advice, you know, for for career transition. Um, so that that'd be my advice probably to them as young players. As soon as they hit twenty six, they need to be sitting down with someone from the PFA or or an agent that that that's a good agent that really cares about them and says, right, listen, this session could be our last session. You could go in, smash all your ligaments in your knee, never make a recovery and you're out. I've seen it happen loads of times. But a lot of players are in their heads, all them invincible. And you are, when you're 26, you never think anything can happen to you because you're so healthy. You know, you've got everything in front of you. And, but time goes quick. You blink your eyes and all of a sudden you're 34 and the time goes past that quick. So... Like I say, my, my that's all the advice I used to give to probably players when I when I retired was trying to give advice to say, look, I wasn't probably prepared, but you need to be re- uh, be prepared because uh, you know it it can it can be tough. Everything even from I think when I when I retired, gym for two years, you know I was thinking, wow, like all of a sudden you've gone from being the top one percent probably in the population a bit, bit to probably going, wow. I'm having to change my clothes every few months here. The waist is <laughs> popping out. You know what I mean? I was probably thinking, oh, yeah. doing spend money on and you know. So that that's probably the things I would recommend to people as soon as you retire is all by all means take a couple of weeks off and you know whatever, go and enjoy yourself, do whatever you need to do, but get stay fit. Is like, you know, it's so easy to lose fitness. It probably takes a month to lose a year fitness. You know, it's so hard to get it back. So I probably one of the big things I would say to people is, is you don't have to train like you did train. You know, there's no harm in going three, four times a week, going to the gym and having a, and just trying to eat. I wouldn't say eating as do as well as you have, but you know, instead of eating healthy seven days a week, try and eat healthy four or five days a week. You know, so um, I think that's probably the, the the main thing I would probably recommend to to people now. Like a career transition for them should be. I think around 26, 27, I'll be having that conversation. I definitely, you know. Yeah, that's it. And I know, obviously, um, Carl, obviously, is good friends of his and Carl introduces. And um, obviously, we're friends now as well, which is nice. And it's, it's great to have that network. Um, Carl, obviously, he um, he's, I know he missed his football through injury and, and and he wanted to get back into it. And it's a big part of it in terms of uh, exercise and um like I said, for your for your mental health and your mindset, it's it's a big part of it, and how you eat and do fitness in the gym as well. Like I said, for for anyone coming out of the game, uh, it's massive to, to sort of keep on track. Like you said, but um, I think in terms of um, the people in like in general everyday life as well, it's just good to have that fitness and and get out there, you know, and and exercise as often as you can. Like I said, three four times a week and eat well, probably four or five times a week. And uh, just have that having that balance is important, really, isn't it? So yeah, absolutely. Get get the balance right. Again, you want to be doing it if you're miserable. Like, like no. again, like you know, you know, you, you eat you eat Domino's pizza or whatever it is. You you feel you're buzzing forward to eating it, and then obviously then afterwards, then you're like, oh god, I feel terrible. Probably after eating that, but you need your days where you say, right, look, today I'm gonna have it pig in day where I eat whatever the hell I want because I'm happy, I want to do it, I want to sit and watch a film, happy days, that's fine you need that, and then 
the other side of it is we all know it. It's, it's, a, it's a fact. You know, if you eat well and you train and you're, you're fit and healthy and you go for your runs and you do all this it's no brainer stuff. You, you do. You just the evidence is there. You, you're going to look better, feel better, and you're going to be more productive. Like it, it's like Saturday or Friday night or whatever it is. It'll have a few drinks Saturday, then nothing gets done because you spend an all day Saturday recovering. Uh, it's so there you go. Whereas if you're if you're out and you don't do you know you don't drink, you don't do that type of stuff. You're just going to get more stuff done. You're more productive, and it, it's all based on what because again. Uh, probably my generation is uh, probably I know lots, lots of lads that just wouldn't do it. They would just say, "Well, look, I drink, it's good crack. It's these are my mates, and we all have a laugh." And then, if you're happy, then with being groggy the next day and being unproductive, well, that's good. It's, you know, if it's good for your mental health to go and to go and have a few drinks, do it. You know what I mean? If yeah. if you're not that way inclined, then and you and you feel better by going, you know, I don't want to feel that way. Well, go and do it because. And then if anyone disagrees with you, I would just say, look, if anyone's on ever saying, oh, you're being boring, you're not having a drink, drop them straight away because they're not there to help you. That's what I would say. You know, I'd probably give to people, definitely. Just too many people, some people probably out there don't want to see you looking good, don't want to see you doing well or being happy. And if they don't, like I say, you'll know, you'll know, you'll know who the ones are if they're being critical of, of, of you looking well and going for runs if someone's saying oh you know how busy are you doing that you think well why wouldn't you be buzzing i'm doing that <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah if it's I'd making me happy and like exactly. i said yeah. it, you define your own happiness and like you said sometimes happiness is having a domino's pizza and i have, I have this conversation with people so many times oh you don't have takeaways i do i have takeaways yeah. i have mcdonald's i have domino's pizza course, you know yeah. obviously i'm not not drinking this year but i i, I do i did have a drink every now and again and I probably will next year when I'm going forward yeah. after my challenge but like yeah. it's you've got you've got to you've got to find that balance it's it's, yeah. it's it's imperative really and like you said it, I think hanging around the right people is a big part of it as well and, yeah definitely uh, definitely like success most successful people I know have the same group around them and they're all the same so there's no room for anyone that group that's negative or in any sort like i'm always buzzing for like any of my mates do well or say they get a new job or you know they get whatever it is i'm always buzzing for them i'm like oh get in well done delighted like couldn't be happier for you whereas you see you know some people probably a bit better well that's well how lucky was he or this that and the other and think well well hold on a minute (laughs) you're supposed to be his mate you should be buzzing for him you know so people should be probably wary Drop people. I mean, probably your age, Kieran. Like you know, I, I would probably just say, look, don't waste your time with people down the line. With years, enough time. Simple, you know, for people to be wasting. If anyone's a negative on you or whatever, or anyone's pulling weight on you in any sort of way, just drop them straight away. Because, like I say, it may seem a bit harsh, but I probably should have probably done that when I was probably your age. You think, oh God, like you know, yeah, such and such is on my case now. They want to go out. They want to go out again. You know going out and staying in and uh, you should be buzzing I'm staying in you know that type of way but um, that's probably my advice to probably lads negative around you that's that's not on, on side bend them just drop them it probably seems harsh that doesn't it but it's true no you know but it's true yeah like you said it doesn't sound harsh you're doing what's best for you and like you said you've got to be exactly. selfish sometimes and look after number one and um, I think um, 
obviously, like I said, it's, it's an important part of it. So, um, there's one last question, uh, Tommy. So, um, yeah, and yeah, thanks for all your obviously your, your input so input so far. It's been it's been amazing. Um, so. I think of this as I go. So this is a sort of not one that's written down or anything. It's just sort of on yeah, the spot. Yeah. Um, so I, I suppose it's sort of split down into two, this question. But if there's three, um, if there's one part of your career you could go back to, um, what would it be? And, and who are the three key mentors in your life, would you say? Um, Probably go back to Sunderland. I, I would because I, I don't think I've I done myself justice there, given that I kind of probably so well coming up through the through the U team and all the rest of it. And uh, um, I think it was it's just a, a kind of a bad time, really. Um, was, I think we were in the Premier League as well, and I was trying to get into the team where they were in a relegation battle, and obviously, like you know, like you know, and they're losing all the time and stuff. So young lads coming into that that group at the time probably wasn't a good time um, so when you lose like I mean got lots of, lots of stick which is which is inevitable you know what I mean it's not their fault it's their fans they pay their money and they've every right time and wise I think it was Sunderland probably in league um, when we got into the when I was at Swansea for example where we done really well I probably would have been a bit more equipped probably mentally then to handle it. I don't think I had the right tools in, mentally I think at Sunderland at that stage, probably handle it at that time. So I think if I could probably go back in time, I'd probably say, yeah, I probably would have uh, done probably a little bit better there, probably at Sunderland. But um, again, I mean, I did do some good things. I, I mean, it's usual stuff with people that people always remember the bad stuff. And again, footballers probably more critical than that than most people. Like you never remember good things, you know. So obviously, you're playing the Premier League. I've had man of the matches. Premier League, you know, like of last eight season, we needed a point to keep the team. The Premier League, I set set Kevin Coban up to score, and we stayed up. So all these things never get mentioned, you know. <laughs> he had a stinker against Fulham, or he had a stinker. He got took off a half time, and you go, lads, how do you remember all the negative stuff, you know? But they do, people do generally. Um, but again, your close friends or people that you've played with, they know, like you know, they still speak to players, uh, coaches now. Uh, a son and stuff like that, and they know, like, saying, wow, how good were we in the U team? How good were we in the reserves coming up and all that? And they know, do you know what I mean? So, and that's, to be fair, that's who, opinions-wise, you know, that's who you should be probably listening to, people that you've experienced with and played with, rather than, obviously, people that, that haven't, if you know what I mean. So, probably that would be the one thing I'd probably change. And uh, mentors-wise, uh, I'd just say coaches-wise, I think at Sunderland, we had Pop Robson, uh, Brian Pop Robson. Um, yeah. I think he was probably like he was a good mentor, uh, brilliant, brilliant coach. Yeah, and again, like I think for him, he was way ahead of his time. Even then, at, at Sunderland, we played probably the way Swansea played when I was at um, when I was there on the Roberto. We played out from the back and played football. Yeah. All the technical players and probably learned a lot from him. Um, he was a good man manager as well. So I think from, from I was lucky, kind of like coming to Sunderland, getting someone like him because I could have easily come to Sunderland and had a bad manager I didn't click with, and I played football, even got past U team level. So I was quite lucky I had him, I think, as a mentor. Um, and then I think, I think football related, I would say 
because obviously that's 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 the the area I was in. Probably I'd say uh, I think Roberto then would, would have been another one. You know, you could just go in his office and have a coffee with him. Just oh, you sometimes <laughs> you didn't even talk about football. You just go, how's the missus? How's things at home? And he'd have a bit of banter with you and stuff and speak to you just as a normal person. Whereas some people are approachable, some people aren't. Like he, he was approachable. Um, was really good, and especially for for even younger players coming into that group, like having an approachable manager who's more human aspect, I think helps. Um, um, so I think from that point of view with him was, you know, no matter what's going on, look after I'm a bit down, I've been injured, I've, head's gone a little bit and that. All right, Tommy, listen, go away again. Another one, go away for a weekend and just take it easy. And you know what I mean? Look, come back in and see me, have a chat and all the rest of it. So getting, getting that kind of people, um, I was lucky, really. You know, if I didn't have, again, if I didn't have a Roberto and I had a more of a traditional type manager, again, I probably would have said, oh, I can't be bothered with him. Some managers, you know, you walk by, all right, gaffer, and then they blank you. And then the next day, all right, gaffer, and then they say hello. I think I'm like, oh, where do I stand with this fellow? Whereas he, he was like, you know, very approachable, like really good fella. Um, you might be and then then. I'd probably say, Brendan then, probably Brendan would have been, even though I never played. Um, you know, but just like I was I was injured all the time. I used to just walk around the pitches uh for like doing rehab and stuff outside. I'd just watch them train and watch him coach and like brilliant coach and that. And in fairness to Brendan, like I was I was, I was nowhere near the group, the first team. I was out on the outside because injured. They're useless, really. Yeah. I mean <laughs> you can sugarcoat all you want, but you are. So yeah. uh but he 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 you know he, Again, he'd come over to you even when you're just say you're doing, I don't know, you're doing some exercise off the side of the pitch. He'd, oh, Tommy, he'd come over, have a bit of banter with you, and even like and stuff like that, and, and doing analysis on the other team. Where's Tommy getting me in? I want him to see this and just have a look <laughs> at it. And you were nowhere near the team, but you know, he's almost trying to go, no, no, hold on, you're still part of the group. Yes, we're still, we're still a group together and stuff like that. And, um, so I'd probably say, look, I'm probably missing out a few other ones, but I just think of the football side of it, I was like, I'll probably have those three probably almost kind of gutted. I think I wish I had Brendan probably when I was 20 or probably 19 yeah. or 20, where I needed probably a manager to pull me in the office and say, listen, son, you're probably one of the, and I was, I was probably one of the best young players in the country, probably around then at 19, but leaving the training ground at 12 o'clock, going home and all this type of stuff. Uh, he would have had me in the headlock, pulled me in the office and went, you, you're having a laugh. You're still <laughs> learning. Like, there's no way you're going home at 12 o'clock. I probably could have done with him at 19, if you know what I mean. So, again, yeah. you need a little bit of luck at times in football. And obviously, I think if I had Brendan Dan at 19, I probably would have had, I've no doubt, I probably would have played about over three, 400 games in the Premier League. So, easily, if I had So... Um, I think he he was like I say he's I've seen him work with young players and I've seen him get like the max possibly get out of them. Um, and I I, I remember Joe Allen he was only a young lad coming into the Swansea team then, and I was thinking Joe I went wow how lucky you are getting him now. I said he could have easily gotten a a, a traditional because Joe was quite small like he wasn't a big physical player. And I was thinking, if you got the wrong yeah. type of manager that just went, no, no, we need someone 6'4", 6'5", in the middle. And how talented you are on the ball, son, you don't play for me. And it happens all the time. It's, it's happening now somewhere in the country. Yeah. There's a Joe Allen somewhere. He's not playing because 
because he's not physical because he's not six foot. That's that's happening now. So I said, wow. I said, you've got there to, to learn off and and bring it along in your way. And, and no reason, like, I mean, I don't know if he'll agree with me, but I think Joe got to where he got in the game because he had Brendan at the right time. So that, yeah, so that'd probably be the three I, I would pick there, Caron. So I was lucky. So again, very lucky to have them. Like we always say, these types of people in certain times of your life, and obviously you you'll probably go down the road of meeting certain people on on whatever avenues you kind of go in. Glad I met that bloke because wow, like he's helped me a lot, or he's done this and that. And then you're gonna have a stinker one day and meet someone. You go, oh, I hated that boss. He was an he's an absolute whopper. I hate his guts, but. You need to meet these people to appreciate the good, if you know what I mean. So, um, so that's that then, Kieran. Yeah. So I'll have to, I'll have those three. It's not a bad three, that though, is it? I don't think. Uh, I was gonna say I've heard I've heard a worse three. Um, yeah. <laughs> not a bad three. It's not a bad lineup, yeah. is it? To be fair, I think. No, uh, like you said, it's um, it's very good, mate. And like you said, I think yeah. you don't. You don't always appreciate it, like I said, how good how good that probably was. I mean, you've just mentioned Kevin Kilban. I remember watching him on the TV, and oh, well, probably I would have watched yourself as well. And like, yeah, yeah. the players like, nice like said, you, you don't get to there with without a strong mindset and a strong work ethic and that talent as well. And like you said, I think looks thrown around a lot, and it is is a big part in the game, you know. But I, I always say, and I said this in the last episode as well, it's where opportunity meets preparation yes an opportunity will come along like a Brendan exactly. Rodgers will come along for example but you've got to be prepared as well because if you're not like you said Brendan could have been there and you weren't ready at 19 you weren't ready you might not yeah. have been ready to and you might not appreciate have saw what he was trying to do anyway to appreciate yeah, it. yeah exactly yeah. that yeah. so it's uh, they come at the, they come at the right time or like you said or the wrong time sometimes depending on which way you look at it but yeah, so it's, it's no some very good mentors there, mate. But um, oh, but yeah, stuff. so no that that brings that brings uh brings uh the podcast episode to a close, mate. But um, thanks oh, so much for coming on, and um, it's uh obviously it's a pleasure to always have a chat with you when uh when we <laughs> when we when we're out out in the bar or wherever, or um yeah, it's, <laughs> it's always always a good laugh. Um, yeah, of and, course, um, of course. Yeah. yeah, it's great to catch up, mate. But no, thanks for um thanks for taking the time out to come onto the podcast, mate. It's uh, it's much appreciated. No, no, look, I enjoyed it, Kieran. Uh, as, as good as, as good as ever, eh? top man. Uh, good speaking to you, and uh, anytime you you want to have a chat, wherever it is, give me give me a shout anytime, yeah. No, that's brilliant, Tommy. Thanks so much for that, mate. And um, yeah, I think there's one last thing as well. I've uh, I've nearly forgot. Can um, can people follow you on um, on socials? Um, uh, if, Twitter, if I think I'm on. Yeah, yeah, Twitter. I think I'll, I'll, that's probably the only one I really use at the minute. Um, as I'm oldie, kid, yep. I'm not like you. Well, all the what you're now TikTok <laughs> and all the, everything. I'd, I'd imagine everything, but uh, nah, too much. Me, all that. I think Twitter, as far as I go, I think. Yeah, brilliant, mate. No, no worries. But uh, no, thanks so much, mate. And uh, yeah, I look forward to catching up with you soon. Yeah. Cheers, Kieran. Brilliant. Speak to you soon. Thanks, mate. Bye. 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 What a fantastic episode that was to record, and I'm sure it was great to listen to as well. So, yeah, we hope you all enjoyed the episode. Thomas went into detail about how he overcame challenges during his career and 
how different managers had a different effect on him and what he did throughout his footballing career as well to help him get so far in his career and what he could have done further as well to get even further in his career. So again, that was a very interesting podcast or it certainly was from my perspective in terms of uh, relating it to football as well. So hopefully though, even though it was there was a lot about football in the podcast, hopefully you can relate it to life skills as well and everyday life and you can take away some of the brilliant basics that Tom was talking about like being on time and you know just just showing up and working hard you know two three times harder than other people on a daily basis as well and again just making sure you're enjoying your life so again a massive thank you to you Thomas for coming on to the podcast and providing so much value it's much appreciated mate and yeah we are continuing the podcast so every monday there's a podcast episode out now whether that's just me or whether that's another guest on the podcast as well so a few guests are being lined up for the next podcast episode so exciting times and there's a lot of good guests going to come on to the podcast as well and if you've not listened already to the previous podcast episodes, then I encourage you to go back and listen to some of them because there's some fantastic guests on the show and some invaluable information shared about the mindset and how you can develop it on a day-to-day basis. There's still the Telegram group if you want daily challenges on mindset and updates on when the latest podcast episode is being released so yeah if you're not following us already on social media as well it's at underscore ready underscore set and that will give you information so it gives you quotes it gives you challenges and provides you with updates to all the latest podcast episodes as well also so yeah lots going on and it's really exciting so thank you to everyone for their support so far and we'll see you soon for another episode on the Ready Set Mind podcast. Take care.